obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. That's right. It's Monday night. Sports on the Hill podcast, True Radio Network, CP3 coming to you live from the lab, episode 281. The first victory Monday of the 2022 season. Carol, real, real quickly, your camera's not on on my Zoom feed. Say what? Your camera's not on my Zoom feed. Really? Oh, boy, that's not good. Well, let me go see what's going on with that. I don't remember turning it off, but there we go. I there we go. Some reason it was going. <laughs> it's all good. We have those glitches every now and again. Nothing wrong with that. But it's uh, glad to be back, have Robbie G back on the podcast for the first Victory Monday of the NFL season. We also got Dujanae in the background waiting to come on. Can't wait to get his take. And we got DC's People's Champ in the building. He's taking a hiatus after the NBA season was over, but it's glad to have him back on. I got the wrestling on, so I'm going to be probably doing the same thing. We also have the Monday Night Football game come on, the Revenge Tour. Uh, Russell Wilson against Seattle, the Denver Broncos, that is. Seattle's up 7-3 right now. Uh, uh, injury for Seattle, a big blow. There's safety. Uh, Adams, I can't remember his first name. I know Dujanae probably key that in when I come back. Uh, he just went out on the stretcher like it might be a knee, and that's not a good thing. Uh, the Commanders also had a, a player going to IR today. Uh, Mathis, uh, torn meniscus, done for the season. Uh, so I'm to talk about that later on, but had an injury here, so might as well talk about it here. And they signed uh, Donovan Jeter from the practice squad to replace him, and they'll probably be looking at someone else to probably scoop up off the waiver wire because there are a few quality defensive tackles that are still out there on the waiver wire. And for all these folks that don't know, if they're a veteran of over six years, they signed them before we join their contract and guarantee. So that's why you see a lot of teams sign players after week one, veterans that is, because if they cut them later on in the season, they're not looking for their money for the salary cap. So that's just a little FYI for you in case you didn't know. But uh, Robbie G, how are you doing today in a man cave over there? How was your vacation and traveling with the fam with 
two little ones. I already know that was an adventure in itself. How's everything going, man? It's good. It's so great to be back. I'm, I'm very excited to be on this podcast. I am so excited that the Commanders won their first game so we can start off with a victory. I'm excited that you get to join us uh, tonight and that we've got a whole crew of people we're going to bring in in just a second, including uh, Dujanae and Champ. And so it's, it's a fun night. We've got a live Monday night football game going on right here. I just shared uh, the Facebook um, uh, uh, feed uh, to a bunch of people. Hello to everybody on Twitch and on Carol's feeds as well. But uh, yeah, it went well. All the trips I took with the family were great. Um, it's been a, a really wonderful uh, three months. I can't believe how quickly it went, but also how much I missed this and uh, talking football uh, and all the sports and uh, field goal attempt is good by the Seahawks. They take a 10 to three lead with 720 left uh, in this first half. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was a fun summer. Um, it's crazy that Zach turned four. Zara is about to turn one now. Uh, it's just, you know, time is flying. Uh, there are actually all the kids and my wife are actually in Texas tonight. So I've got the house to myself. Uh, but uh, yeah, it'll be a fun show. And then people who want to stay live on our Twitch channel, I just want to give a little shout out. I'm going to be doing an art stream, uh, you know, starting a little bit after this stream uh, about 10 o'clock. Uh, so I know that people who might be on Carol's feed or on other feeds, they want to come over on Twitch. Uh, they can feel free to see me make emotes. And if no one knows what an emote is, it's a graphic that you uh, then display on Twitch that people use when they're subscribed to you. So if anyone wants to know more, jump on over to our Twitch feed um, and we can always tell you more about that. And uh, yeah, but it's been a great summer, a great year. Super excited about football. And uh, let's bring in our, our guests real quick and then uh, we can... Uh, started up and uh, I'm going to bring in uh, Champ and Dujanae right now. Um, we'll start off with you, Champ. Uh, how are you doing tonight? Finally, the Champ has come back to Sports on the Hill podcast, and I'm excited to be here to talk about uh, Victory Monday on the first game of the season. I'm glad to be here with you guys, and I'm also especially glad to be here with the man, the myth, the legend that's known as Dujanae. It's great to be here. I'm happy to talk with y'all. Yeah. No, awesome. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a good show, great game, and a lot of things to talk about. Because yeah, I got a lot, I got a checklist on my paperwork right now. <laughs> Tuesday, mean, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, it's great to be back. A lot of NHRA coverage. Uh, it's great to be back in football for sure. Um, it keeps me busy now. Uh, playoffs for NHRA, and here we are getting into the first week of the season. So. It's always nice to start off in the media with uh, a team win, especially with all the changes that we've had all, all you know, throughout the, the off season. So uh, it's nice for the fan base to be happy uh, no, <laughs> when you're covering this team. Come on now, you know, this. For, some, they happy? for some of us, for some of, for some of yeah. them, you know what I mean? For some of them. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy that um, despite a victory, despite, you know, coming back and, you know, Carson Wentz putting up, you know, numbers that haven't been matched since Billy Kilmer on opening day. And for a lot of you folks that don't know that is, go Google it <laughs> in the 70s. You know, a lot of y'all don't even understand the 1900s. Y'all just worry about the 2000s. But, yeah, so he had a up and down game. There were some things that I, uh, you know, liked, didn't like. A lot of folks were super critical on the interceptions. I went back and looked at them and listened to the coaches uh, presser today and have heard him break it down also. Um, it was definitely um, good to see this team come back with all the adversity and all the stuff that was going on in the game. I'm not even talking about the off-the-field stuff. We're talking about on the field. 
But um, started out hot. I was definitely impressed with uh, Scott Turner. Got to give him a shout out because his uh, game plan and his play calling, for the most part, I got to give him a thumbs up. He was spreading the ball around. He was getting the ball to the weapon, getting you know, putting Carson in a position to be successful in the win. Uh, I'm going to touch on the two interceptions. First one, he knew he made a mistake. Threw it late, half a second late, boom, threw it behind, interception. The one for the screen that everyone is going crazy about, if you listen to the coach today, he should have threw it in the ground, granted. But the, the first round pick was actually in the wrong position just at the right time when he was trying to force it in. He, he wasn't supposed to be there, so he was trying to reactionary through the ball, should have threw it in the ground, but the number one pick showed why. He's the number one pick, and he made a mistake. But no one's going to be perfect at any given point. You're going to have mistakes made in the game. Those were two bad mistakes, swung the momentum. But as he said, after he got the game ball, it is you know it doesn't matter going through the rust spots. It's all about how you finish and you deal with those rust spots. Then they came back. He went eight for eleven with two touchdowns after those two interceptions. So to me, I don't have anything bad to say. You know. You had your ups and downs, but the man played a hell of a game. He was out there being a leader. Offense looked fantastic. When have we seen an offense like, you know, wide open, taking chances and actually executing on the field? So I don't understand why people are upset, but I thought it was all in all a good team win. Dujane, what do you say? Uh, where do you want me to start first? Uh, <laughs> I, I'd say start with Carson first and then work your way down. Okay. So I've had an opportunity to watch this game four times. Okay. Um, and I, well, I've watched it from front to back. I really focused on that play. I, I rewound that thing like several times. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if it's Carson Wentz, um, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. Um, uh, you know, coach got all technical with him being out of position and all of that. I don't even care about all of that. <laughs> the fact of the matter is he engages the linebacker. He engages the lineman, right? Then he disengages and he sees Carson getting ready to cock the throw. He steps in the throwing lane. Car and, and I heard the, if you, if you, if you guys watched on TV and you weren't at the game yesterday, you hear the commentator talk about how you, you just can't throw that ball. When you see when you see those colors, you have to throw the ball away. Mm -hmm. I looked at that thing and I looked at the replay I looked at the play and the replay, and there was no part of, of him that flashed. I, I didn't see any type of color at all. So I'm sure at the moment he thought that that was open until he steps back into the lane. You couldn't see him. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know how you win on that. Um, do you assume and throw it in the dirt? Okay, but I'm that's assuming he saw him. And I don't think from those vantage points and the angles that we have, you know, hopefully at some point the all 22 will come out here soon. But, um, you know, we get the coaches film, but I'm just like, you know, I don't know what you can do there. Um, it was a great play by the linebacker. Go over there and shake his hand and pat him on the back. Mm -hmm. um, Carson was late and he knew he was late. He admitted that coach said he was late. It was clear. I mean, you can see it. He had another option too underneath. That was the, that was the other part that was kind of, you know, I wouldn't say it's frustrating, but it's like, dude, you know, you had the guy underneath. You didn't have to force the ball there. You had to have known that you were late there. Okay. So, I mean, it was late. The guy made a good play. 
is what it is. Um, for the most part, though, I want to focus on the fact that um, something with this team that has n- not been done in quite some time, uh, probably since Robert Griffin III, and I know people you know, mm-hmm. cringe when they hear that name, but it- it's just the facts. Um, since then, because I'm not even throwing uh, stat boy cousins in there, um, you-, you have those type of turnovers, and we've seen this whole entire team – and everything about it collapsed in those moments um, to come back and do to do what he did um, and throw that touchdown pass uh, to, to Terry. And then to come back and orchestrate another drive to throw a dart to the rookie. You got, I don't think you could be mad about it. I mean, to win a game with three turnovers, when is the last time Washington won a game with three turnovers? I, I, I'm sure none of you young folks remember that. I don't mm-hmm. think it's ever happened in your era. But yeah, so um, you know, sure he made some mistakes, uh, but at the end of the day, you, I think you guys have to give a little credit and see what a real quarterback can do that has some talent and has some wherewithal and some some smarts about him. Uh, that can can do with the football um, any other game you're, you're we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars winning yesterday uh, mm-hmm. so um, I, I give Carson a lot of credit for bouncing back uh, in in a situation where he could have gotten into himself uh, hung his head low um, and, and kind of curled up in the ball and the offense could have folded they all stood up and rallied and made plays and got back in that game and then took it over so um, huge, huge for, you know, uh, Ron Rivera and this team. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing what's next. Real quickly, I just want to do a scoring update. Uh, Russell Wilson uh, just scored a beautiful touchdown. Uh, the yes. guy broke a, a tackle and they tied the game 10-10. It's so interesting that this game is week one where he goes right back. Like, how do they even schedule this? Like, that's just so crazy to me that this is the Monday night football game. Like. Well, all I got to say is I'm glad to Jerry Judy because that's another 12 points for me right there. You know, so <laughs> trying to pad my numbers. I got I missed the playoffs last year by the point differential. I already got the win, so now I'm just looking to pad the stats now. Yeah. So, but uh, it's interesting because it kind of speaking of quarterbacks going against teams that I don't know may have slighted them. Uh, it it was just interesting because the narrative for a, in the third quarter was oh no he's going to choke against this Jaguars team two games in a row. It's going to end. Uh, you know his time with one franchise <laughs> and it'd be a, a tough way to start a you know his time with the second franchise and i'm just so happy that that wasn't the narrative that we're talking about yeah and he was able to have Ooh. that resilient fourth quarter and oh, uh, oh, oh believe me robbie i had someone actually tag me in a post in the third quarter well good for them about, they jinxed it yeah talking uh, about i, they, I appreciate they can't them. wait for the excuses that i'm going to make and as i was breaking down that post after they had the audacity to tag me in the middle of a game. And as I'm dissecting this post, we took the lead and won the game. And at the end, I said, this post didn't age well, did it? Stay in <laughs> lane, look forward, stop worrying about what used to have to happen. I this applaud you. I applaud point. you for not responding in the moment, though. So, you know, yeah, wait until the end of the game. And uh, yeah, normally I do. I know. So that's why I'm <laughs> confident about it because. You, you get a different feel. And like I, when I was saying before, you know, on the shows that, you know, I was doing by myself, you guys didn't get a chance to be here, but 
I said this year with Coach Rivera, his approach this offseason in training camp, when he said he was actually sitting in the defensive meeting rooms, he was sitting in the offensive meeting rooms. And when he made the move to fire Sam Mills, a longtime friend and coach that he's worked with since 2011 because they didn't see eye to eye. To me, that's him saying there's no more excuses. This is year three. If we're not on the same page, then, yeah, we need to do something about that. And the fact that he pulled that trigger and had someone ready to step right in there and, you know, help the team play better, work at the pace that he wants. And then the addition of Ryan Kerrigan, which I spoke about a little bit last week, I, I, I love that because he was a great defensive lineman. He know, has good moves. He knows, you know, how to get to the quarterback. He knows how to read when the screen is there to get the pick sixes and bat the ball. We've seen him do that several times in his career. So I believe everything with this team is going to, you know, be on the right direction in this third year because, like we all said, this is a make-or-break year. I don't feel that Ron's on the hot seat, but this is definitely a make-or-break year for him. Well, he said three years, so this is year three. Uh, need to see some progress. Um, I, I'll add with what you said about um, – uh, Scott Turner. Um, I thought he called a really good game, but I also am not, I'm not going to come down on him. I'm just going to say that he took his foot off the gas. Uh, there was a, a lot of passing that was effective that he decided that he was going to let his foot off the gas a little bit and get comfortable with the lead. Um, I, I felt they could have kept the foot down with what they were doing in the passing game. Um, with all, I mean, I don't know, daggone, uh, Curtis Samuel was looking like a human joystick out there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things they could have done. And they did, they, they kind of let up off of that a little bit um, and allowed themselves to kind of, they kind of lulled their own selves to sleep a little bit. I like would have liked to have seen him put it on the get put his foot on the gas a little bit more uh, because next week is going to be a little bit tougher. That team scored uh, a quite a bit of points, even though they lost. Real quickly, I, I I really have a question because I wanted to ask you both, Carol and Dujanae, this, and Champ can get his thoughts on it as well. Why didn't they go to Scary Terry more? Was he double teamed? They weren't even showing that from, you know, they were always showing the direction that they were going with the ball, and I rarely saw, you know, the coverage that Terry was getting. I know that Dujanae, sometimes you check out film from different angles that you get. Uh, could you speak to that a little bit about were they doubling him or what? what was the rationale of not going to him more? I don't think they were doubling him. What I think they were doing is they saw something that was working and they stuck with it. Uh, that's something that Carol has talked about often, um, you know, last in the last several years. And I've even spoke about that. I thought what they were doing with Samuel was working. Uh, he was also, they were allowing him to get into space. They were allowing him to, to do his thing. Then they were using Gibson out of the backfield. I think Gibson had what um, seven receptions for like seven, 72 yards or something like that. Uh, so they were using him in the running game and also in the passing game. So what they had, and then they were sprinkling in Dotson here and there, uh, you know, what they had was going well. They they threw the ball to uh, Logan Thomas a couple times as well. Uh, so I didn't think they needed to get away from what they were doing well. Now you saw there were opportunities, and I, I saw a couple opportunities where they could have gone there, and then when they had to, they did. <laughs> And I think in this and maybe, offense, and maybe that's a reason, you know, if they yeah. don't go to him all game long, they kind of play off him just even for a little bit. And that's all they need, you know, because I think in this next game, I think with what you have here it, offensively with the weapons you have, 
they're going to feature someone else next week. And, and the Lions are going to look at this film and they're going to look at all these different things and look at what they did this week. And next week, Scott Turner is going to come out. He's going to feature another wide receiver in this offense. And, and then once that starts to wear out a little bit or, or whatever, they'll go to them and they'll start sprinkling some other guys and they'll bring Samuel back in and they'll do some, some different things with him. They have so many options. They never even touch the surface of what they can do with these weapons. So um, I, I really think that, that that's what their intent was. They ain't going to put too much on film if they don't have to. And they didn't do that. They just kept with what was working. And I thought that was good. Wish they would have stayed with that a little bit longer. They may have put more points on the board uh, in, that, in that little lull that they had. Real quickly, there's a scoring update. Uh, Carol, did you see the touchdown? Yeah, I saw it. That was a beautiful. I was about to say first, uh, who is this Geno Smith we're watching right now? Red <laughs> Needle, this dude is making good reads. I'm like, where did this Geno Smith come from? Maybe he needed a few years in the league, but he definitely made a good read and made a hell of a throw in that pass with the tight end down the scene. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, playing well. I want to get both your and Champ's thoughts on the wide receiver in general. Um, and, oh, yeah, uh, I was going to get a touch on that. We're going back to what you were saying, dude. I don't feel like it was a lull. I felt like Jacksonville made an adjustment. In the first half, they were blitzing, but they weren't blitzing aggressively. In that third quarter and a little bit in the fourth, they mixed it up and started doing some different things that it took Turner a little bit too long to adjust to that he should have went back to some of the quick throws and the stuff that he was doing the same as that he didn't do. It was I'll a couple of times that. he got, a couple of times he got too fancy and it mm-hmm. cost him like on the fumble to uh, Samuels. If he had just kept running the ball regular with Gibson, he wouldn't have had the ball. That wouldn't happen when they lined up with Samuel and uh, Gibson in the backfield for the RPO look. That blew up in their face when they tried to get a fancy trick play. So I understand pushing the envelope, but sometimes, like you said, you got to stick with what's what's working. And yeah, then, I, I like how Samuel went back and and after that fumble, he began to cover the ball a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, and was more secure with it. I, I love that as well. And then the wide receiver, uh, kind of to piggyback off of what Dujanae said, McLaurin has had to do what he's done by himself for so long. So I don't mind that he doesn't get the ball in the first half for the first week of the game. It's about, like you say, setting up your plays, taking the pressure off of him and, and showing, showcasing the other talent that these players and the, his uh, other uh, teammates have also so to give the defense something else to worry about. We know what Terry can do. Now put the fear in the other defenses of what the other players can do. So now you're like, oh, shit, we got Terry over here. But now we got to worry about Samuel in the slot coming out the backfield. We got to worry about Dotson and his – duct tape hands that no matter where he throw the ball, he's going to catch it. (laughs) Worry about Antonio Gibson. Is he going to be in space? Is he going to be in the backfield? And just wait till Robinson comes back when he's going to take more of the workload of the running game. So just imagine the looks that Scott Turner's going to put out there when you got a Gibson, a Samuel, a Dotson, and a a McLaurin, and it could be a screen, bubble screen, quick slant, double uh, double move. Who knows? You're going to have somebody, if they start continuing to be effective, you're going to have some of these defensive coordinators having nightmares about this offense. And we didn't even talk about the tight ends, which they say is one of the stronger position groups on the team. So this offense, I feel like, you know, no matter who gets the ball, just like Patrick Mahomes said, and he showed now that Tyreek's gone, it's not going to be one player each week that's going to blow up. Now we're going to have a plethora of people that's going to excel and do what they need to do and be game breakers. So you fantasy football guys, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you, but everybody's going to get the ball and everyone's going to be able to score. So I think it's a beautiful thing. 
yeah, I know some Cowboys fans that actually pick up some, you know, you know, know, people and they're kind of mad that they're not getting more touches. You know, that's one of the things I was bringing up, but I want to get champ involved here. Champ, what are some of your thoughts on uh, what you saw from the wide receivers in week one? Well, uh, Carol said it best in the post game yesterday that for the first time in a long time, this team has a wide receiver core. We have a wide receiver core. You can't defense defenses and more specifically DBs cannot just focus on any one guy. They have to focus on everybody. You got Samuels who plays, who's playing on one side, McLaurin on the other Dotson in the slot. You use Samuels as a running back. And also you have Logan Thomas who looks like he's fully healthy uh, and can play and plays well. So when it comes to the receivers, Carson Wentz, who everybody questioned his accuracy issues, though granted he has some questionable throws. I'm just, as a fan watching, I'm just putting it out there. He has some questionable throws. But for the most part, he has weapons. This, this quarterback has weapons that could get him far, and he showed that yesterday, throwing for over 300 yards, 313 yards with four touchdowns. Yes, two interceptions. Yeah, that's going to happen, unfortunately. But he has a core and the core worked yesterday because not only did five of your receive four of your receivers and a tight end got get involved, two of your running backs got catches as well. Seven different people caught a football from Carson Wentz yesterday. You can't ask for anything better than that from your offense. My only complaint though, they were, t- and this is something that Sip mentioned to me when I talked to him yesterday, they were totally unbalanced. They passed more than they ran. That was my only complaint. Balance it out. This offense is dangerous. Well, I mean, there was balance for the most part. I mean, he did, you know, some of the things that he does with Samuel out the backfield, you know, you can look at it as a, a run or a short pass or uh, it's the key to his offense is to keep the defense guessing. So I didn't like the third down and shotgun sometimes in short distance. I'm like, sometimes you just got to, you know, line up and run the ball. Punch somebody in the mouth. Yeah, that's just the old school in me. But I mean, for the most part, the the strategy that he used, the game plan that he used, and the fact that he was setting up his plays, and and I know we all was uh, that third down, you know, clock winning, you know, late in the fourth quarter, already in field goal range. I know a lot of folks are probably screaming, "Why are you going to pass it? Why are you going to pass it?" And then Dotson makes that great catch, and you know, gets the game winning touchdown. That's the mentality, you know. We've had the times where you know we've had to settle for a field goal and put the defense back out there with a minute and something, the other team with two uh, timeouts that I need is a field goal to win. And then, you know, the defense doesn't get a three and out and they drive down and kick a long field goal to win. Then everybody's mad and upset. But now they get the touchdown, put the pressure on the other team, and then force the game and then turnover with them trying to force the ball. So it's all the way the strategy and how you look at things. You're not going to have a game where everything is going to go your way all four quarters. It's about how you react to it after those things happen. And this team reacted very well. And Carol, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of these people talk about Carson, but can't we really look at Carson as being a Kirk Cousins? If you want to put him and talk about all the negative, I mean, the guy, Kirk was a stat, stat machine, made a lot of plays, also made some of those head scratchers. And you know, the thing about it is, is that what, like I said, what was on display today or yesterday was in the critical moments. That's the difference between 
<laughs> Taylor Heineke and a Carson Wentz. That's the difference. He Those can make that throw yeah. late in the game in the corner of the end zone where only his receiver can get it. And I've heard people, well, you know, if he only had turned around, it would have been an interception. <laughs> Whatever, dog. Okay? Just <laughs> he can't accept nothing good at all. Like, just, oh piss, on, just piss on everything. But oh it was a heck of a throw, and it takes it, it takes precision to make that type of throw, to put it in a position where your receiver can catch it and still keep his feet in bounds to, to, to make sure that that is a score. Um, you know, a lot of impressive stuff and a lot of good things to take away, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, that's funny that they said he, uh, if he'd have turned around. Because if you check the video that I put out, the commentator broke it down beautifully on that play that Dotson made that double move and made it, and made it so there was no way that the cornerback could get it. And if you looked at, looked at the cornerback, he was, like, disgusted. He's like, and there's nothing I can do. The ball went right, like, over his shoulder. If he would have turned around the second, yeah, he would have saw it. But the way Dotson, It would have been too late. Yeah, the way It would have been too late. Was, yeah, he's a route runner. That's why they drafted him. He knows how to use his body. And he sold it well. Like, exactly. you know how some guys, like, they get all giddy and their hands get up all up in the air. They, they're they trying to reach for the ball instead of letting the ball come to them and go go grab it at the point. He didn't even – he never gave any indication where the ball was. I thought that was a good thing. And when it got on him is when he made the play for the ball. It was, it was a really good job by the rook. I mean, both of his touchdowns were a thing of beauty. Yes. Because that pass to Carson uh, from Carson with uh, <laughs> right in the red zone, shook his man, made that move. His man was like, gone. And that split second, Carson, perfect timing on the throw. And they were talking about the chemistry that they had. And it was, that was, it's on display in the first week, you know, yep. first, you know, first half of the game. So I, I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing. Let me go over these. Since I wrote all these stats down. Let me go over these stats so I didn't waste my time writing it all down before we get out of here. We, we can talk about this all day and talk about the fans that can find some negative out of anything. I know I call y'all abuse spouse syndrome folks now. <laughs> y'all in a bad relationship that you're always complaining on social media about the team. Like it's a bad baby mama, baby daddy, and don't want to get out of a relationship. Go, leave. We don't want you. I'm tired of reading it online. But um, Yeah, Robbie pointed out to be somebody that used to be a faithful friend of mine that was just all over his post about the picks not letting go of the past and I finally called him out and said dude oh, you you're did. embarrassing you're so I said you're so embarrassing let it go and just move on dude like holy crap yeah I don't understand why people are so like people came into our post game yesterday and they were like they found us by searching Washington commanders on Twitch and then they came to say I will always be a Redskins fan I was like you really just came all the way just to say that like you can't just enjoy the win like what what wow <laughs> they find that they, they find a way to be upset. I actually, I was going to screenshot this. I had actually had someone text me last night complaining about our defense and giving the Cowboys credit as they're losing the game, saying, How come we can't turn our defense around whoa. like the Cowboys did? I'm like, Whoa, oh, no. hold on. What? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And, this, and this is supposed to be a commander's fan. Whoa. While the Cowboys. Did he watch that game? That that's what I asked him. I'm like, Cowboys are ass. They were <laughs> ass last night. They're talking about, 
Oh well, don't get me started around. on that, bro. Carol, you know, like I said, I don't, like, that, that's another whole. Let, let me go ahead and get into that. That's but, real, real, real quickly before you do that, do you know Heineke was trending today on Twitter? I saw that. I was like, what? What? Because there, people are saying that Dallas should try to trade for him. <laughs> I mean, they, they so they're much not wrong, trash. Though. But they're not wrong. To the Cowboys, I'm sorry. You going but, into the next eight weeks with Cooper Rush? Right. Get we, out I mean, of here, Carol. Would you take a first round pick next year for him right now? Darn right. Hell yeah, I I, I would. So Hell I mean, yeah, I take the, the first. I take a first round. They want to give a first round pick for him. I this team got dude. Sam Howell. All right, I'm just saying. I'm yeah. just saying. We know what he can do and know what he can't do. So they want to give a first round pick, and we still got to play him twice. Hey, I, I'll take that from the football. It don't, it don't matter who they got back there at center anyway, as long as Kellen Moore and that that uh, guy who continues to piss down his leg every week, uh, uh, Mike McCarthy, is there. They ain't going nowhere. You see the same stuff you saw last year. Same stuff. Hey, don't get me started. Like I said, when they hired McCarthy, I didn't have no fear whatsoever. No, so I'm trash. Like, All right, let's go to get any some of these stats real quick. Uh I was, uh, like I said, I was very impressed with the offense and the defense played well. Uh, getting off the field on third downs was one of my key to victories. Uh, Washington had 26 first downs. Uh, Jacksonville had 23. Washington went seven for 10 on third down on offense and held Jacksonville to three for 12 on third down. Uh, 305 passing yards for Washington, 260 for Jacksonville. 84 yards rushing for Washington, 123 for Jacksonville. That's my uh, problem. Yeah, with the uh, with the rushes, it, I mean, it wasn't an all day thing. It was it was sporadic because when they because Robinson, honestly, I he I benched him because I didn't think he was going to be healthy after I will the give you injury that. and him not playing any preseason, no training camp. I was not expecting him to have the impact that he had right. in the game. I, I, and I will say it was it was not a continual thing, which they were stupid. That was stupid on their part because they should have been continuing to run the ball. Mm-hmm. And here, here's my thing. The defense played well, but they did not do well stopping the run. You, you allowed 6.8 yards per carry, okay? that That's not good. I don't care in, if it's in small sample or not. That's mm-hmm. not good. And mm-hmm. when I looked at the film, it's the same stuff that we talk about. It, it wasn't necessarily that it, it's being out of position and getting caught up in traffic that you have no business being in you get what i'm saying and it's the linebackers because it's it's the outside linebacker that has the ability to force that play back inside or have him bounce it out to his guy that's likely the corner that's sitting around waiting but if you come and crash in with the dn and get caught up in the traffic well now you're not in the gap and you know where to make the play and now your your corner has to come all the way out from nowhere to make that play. And how many times did we see that the defensive end on the right side was really, really in the play, was trailing right behind the runner? If you're in that gap, he has no he has no way to where to explode to but to get slowed down and get caught from behind. So that's my problem because Detroit ran the ball for 6.2 yards per carry. Now, I'm not trying to be critical, but that is a big issue as far as running the ball, especially right. against a team that put up the points that they did, even though they lost. So you got to go on the road, and that little thing's got to be fixed. It's fixable. I just don't like it. That's a lot of yards. 
See, I don't I don't think it's going to be a bigger a big issue a big issue next week because you also got to look at the fact that with their rush discipline that they had yesterday keeping Lawrence in the pocket mm-hmm. I think they were more focused on that so when they started mixing in the run in the play action game I think they were more focused he I feel like he he was more dangerous with his legs and oh, he, he is. the running he is yeah People don't so give him I feel any credit I, for that but he is. Yeah, so I figured that was kind of like a trade-off. I, I don't mind getting gashed every now and again as long as they're staying gap disciplined. He didn't have any chance to get out of the pocket yesterday and extend plays on third down That's like true. he didn't do. So I, I feel what you're saying, but I feel like with this week going up against Detroit with a quarterback that's not really known for being elusive and getting out of the pocket, I believe they'll be more disciplined and more focused on the running game as opposed to trying to make sure with the RPO game, especially with Doug Peterson calling plays, yeah. you don't know what the hell to expect. So I, I feel that. like, yeah, so I feel like I feel what you're saying is something that 6.8 ain't a good thing yeah. at all. But yeah. I feel like they'll have more focus on the next week against Detroit. And I think they'll definitely get that number down, uh, depending on uh, Jonathan Allen's status. I know he got the MRI on his groin. He said he felt good. I haven't seen any results on that. Right. And uh, I neither. Yeah, so I'm still waiting to hear from that. He said he felt good. Some folks said he got kicked in the McNuggets, so I don't know. But second thing, mm-hmm. Jamin Davis, I love him, and and this is this is not a fault of his. It's kind of a twofold thing. Either Jack, you got to stop letting him, you know, calling these defenses where he's going to be put in the mismatch situations because it's not like he doesn't have the speed. For Jamin, though, if you're going to be in those situations because you are, you know what I mean? It's it's not going to never happen. You're going to be in those situations where you're going to be in mismatch. And I, I'm writing about this for next week. Mm-hmm. You guys are getting a preview. But it's just a matter of him knowing where he's supposed to be and knowing his depth. It, like, uh, I believe it was the Christian Kirk uh, pass. Yeah, he needed to be a little bit to the left. Need to be a little bit inside the four and a little bit inside and in the back to force that thing a little higher. And they're not going to make that play at all. He just wasn't in the right spot. Um, he had a couple spots against ETN, which ETN's a tough cover, but he just needed to be in a better spot. He has the speed and the ability to cover. That's what I want people to know. He can do it. It's just if you're not in position, it doesn't matter whether you have the speed or not, you're going to get worked. And there's a couple times. Obviously, they didn't give up a lot of third downs, but there were a couple times during the drives where he got caught out of position, ended up being big plays that allowed them to get into, uh, you know, some areas of where they they were able to turn some of those into points. Yeah, Coach actually talked about that in the press conference about that play with Kirk, about him not having a proper leverage and all where his, his uh, backup was and his own was. But, you know, he, he wasn't perfect, but he was in, in the right place for the majority of the time. Right. Playing I mean, that Jags team looked better than we've seen like in a long well, that's time. What they I, are. I, I, that's I wonder what how they're going to gonna... explain to people. This is not Urban Meyer. This is Doug Peterson. They put money into their defense. They went out and spent money to improve their team. They bought in Doug Peterson. You saw what he did in Philly. You saw how he killed our coordinators. He can outcoach you by just being an offensive coordinator. So they, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, yeah. but just think, just think if Trevor Lawrence hits a couple of those plays where Damn. you got you got Kendall Fuller uh trying to pick up his butt cheeks because he's freaking dragging behind that he got caught out of position of. Just think about that. If he hits a couple of more of those shots, we could be talking about a different ball game. So, yes, 
There were I, things and errors I mean, that they made in the first half. Yes. I mean, they, how they about that so drop many... by ETN? He could have walked in the end zone. He dropped it right there. I mean, dropped the biscuit. I mean, he, he basically raked it out of his own hands. I mean, like, and, it was ridiculous. The donk field goal. I mean, there was a lot of misplays yeah, on that. But, part. I mean, but, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just saying. No, 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 that's I, a I better agree. Jags team than people. People are like, oh, well, they didn't really play anybody. But, exactly. yes, they, they played a team that is formidable and I think is going to win a lot more games than people give them credit for. They've got a really good coaching staff. Trevor Lawrence is a good coach, and they're going to play to his strengths, and they've got weapons around this guy. That's Zay Jones and – and uh what marvin jones and, and christian kirk hey they can get behind the defense and then you got etn uh running around there looking like another antonio uh, gibson and and running and passing they got some stuff over there man it, washington's defense enabling to get that pressure and do and being able to do that pretty consistently uh giving the circumstances of their defensive line as far as injuries go uh is pretty pretty uh you know substantial and remarkable uh, one last thing I, I, I wanted to say on that is the whole entire afc south no one won a game in fact, <laughs> two teams played each other so yeah. it shouldn't even be possible but that's right right but that team may actually make some noise in that division like i, I would not so. be surprised if the jacksonville jaguars actually end up you know maybe even winning that division Colts yeah, and Jags some, will be fighting it out yeah someone told me when i when I, I talked about the team winning it was like well y'all just played the jags i'm like y'all realize this is a different jack team the last year and they For showed real. it washington almost sold that game to be honest and i tell people that all day today, I said, Washington almost sold that game. They mm-hmm. luckily hung on, but they were facing a different Jag team than the Jags that were last year that were absolutely hot garbage. So, they had laid down in the second quarter. That Jags team last year would have been over. <laughs> it would have been over by before half. Facts. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how folks, you know, want to find fault in anything, but it was a hard-fought victory. They, they played well. Like I said, they went over the numbers. It was 70% on offense on third down conversions. When the hell have we seen that? Um, held them three for 12. Exactly, three for 12 on third down conversions. Got them off the field. Uh, we had the three turnovers. Like I said, there's always something you can work on. There's always stuff you can improve on, but you don't want to just harp on the negative. You got to point out the good and right. stuff that you need to improve on. So Robbie, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a question. So yep. th- yesterday, as a fan, yesterday, was there ever a moment on third down that you felt like you felt last year where third downs were an anomaly. I mean, you were, there's a pit in your stomach for fans there. You got the bubble guts. You don't know whether you're going to convert this third down or not. I even throw that to DC's people champ as well. Yeah. Is there ever a time yesterday that you felt like they couldn't convert on third down, especially in the critical moments where they needed to get down the field and score? So here's how I felt. And my dad called in a lot to me. I, I talked about this yesterday. Yeah, you know, he was you know, selling the team the third quarter. And then, yeah, you know, obviously uh, we had that comeback. So there was moments where I was feeling anxious and nervous. But to speak to the third down specifically, I felt more confident than I had in the past because I know that Carson Wentz has made plays before. And so he's a veteran quarterback. And yes, uh, they'll make mistakes but he can actually make those deep throws. I didn't know if we were going to get to see it in the fourth quarter. I was happy to see it, but I knew there was like a potential there where, you know, I like Taylor Heineke and I like some of the other people we've had, but I still never felt that he was a true NFL quarterback in that sort of same mold. Good if you too. Will. Yeah. 
I will say I did have some confidence in the offense being able to convert on third down where my lack of confidence was, was the defense getting off the field on third down. And when I heard Carol stat about Jags third down conversion yesterday, I said, that is the stat I love to hear because that means you're getting off the field when it counts and not letting drives keep being extended, which gasses you out. And then you end up giving up the big play because you're so gassed out because you're not getting off the field. So offensively, I was like, okay, I think they can do it. But defensively is where I was like, I don't know. But but yesterday they kind of showed they can get off the field on third down. I want to see that be consistent throughout the entire season, though. I don't want this to be a one-game anomaly where they only where Jags only converted what four, four third downs or three or something like it that. Was it was three. So, yeah, <laughs> I want to see that be a consistent thing for the other sixteen games of the season, not just this game. Get only three, maybe four conversions of third down out of like twelve, and I'll be happy. Well, also Ben don't break. You know, we gave yes. them some big yardage throughout the game, but we were able to hold them to either nothing, a field, you know, a field goal attempt, and maybe nothing. You know, and um, and we held them on the two point conversion, which I thought could play into the game, obviously. Right. Uh, so I, I was really happy. I really felt like the offense won this game more than the defense did, which I was not expecting. I thought to win this game, the defense had to win the game, and I agree the defense had some good stats, but. For me, the offense stepped up when it needed to when we were down eight. You know, I the agree. defense kind of let them back in it a little bit. You know, I think it's going to have to be each week it's going to be a little different. Some weeks we're going to have to rely on the defense, and some weeks we're going to have to rely on the offense if we want to try to put 10 wins together I mean, the this season. Got the, ball, hold on, the defense got the ball back in the fourth quarter for him to get those two drives to go. That's true. That's true. Ahead. They but did. They, they were did. gassed, they and they made plays. I mean, that's the first time we've ever seen that. Yeah, yeah, but like I say, the defense played well. When you're going up against Doug Peterson, you're never going to have a game where you they don't get anything. So that's right. why I'm like, I understand people saying, oh, the defense is – yeah, it was some bad stuff. Kendall Fuller, yeah, he got undressed a couple of times. That P.I. wasn't a P.I. No, I thought that was ticky-tack. But exactly. if that's how they're going to call it – and I, I said this on Seawall Show – if that's how they're going to call it, then you have to make the adjustment – and play accordingly. You have to correct it because they're going to continue to call it. And if this is how they're going to call it, then they're probably going to call this all season. And I know Fuller likes to play aggressive, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to change his style up a little bit. And so he doesn't get those ticky tack calls. But to me, yeah, I agree with you, Carol. It was ticky tack. It was garbage. Fuller. Yeah. He, he, I don't, I've never been real confident with him on the outside. I liked him better. I like him in the slot. Yeah, but now we have better slot corners. So my thing is with the, <laughs> yeah. with the players that with uh, Castro and uh, that they picked up off of uh, waivers, how they are touting him. I feel like Fuller with that contract, if he have another game like he had this game, because Castro was inactive this game. I so did. if he go out there and get another couple of PIs and give up a touchdown, that's why I say coach ain't playing. He don't care what your contract is, how long he didn't know you. If you ain't executing and you ain't on the same page, I say benches, but. Because ain't be nobody going to get bitched. <laughs> you can't do your job. Go have a seat. But yeah. like I say, I'm not. I'm not. It's week one. I'm not. I'm not criticizing. He he adjusted. He was one of the better corners in the league at the end of last year. Yeah. You know, the end of the season. But I I I just don't have the same panic that everyone else has with the defense right now. And we and I know we about to go long, but got to give a shout out to Derek Force, second year player, drafted last year. You know, everybody, I had a couple of folks, oh, he's a bust, he can't stay healthy. You know, I looked at the tape. You know, I don't watch college ball. I watch, you know, I film after we draft him, and I saw the instincts, and I saw what he can do 
And the way they were saying that he had a solid camp and the light had just came and finally clicked on and he understands where he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to do. That you boy saw was that balling yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, that, that boy was balling yesterday. Force fumble, interception, deflection in the end zone to stop a touchdown. Yeah, he was, was balling bad. yesterday. Yeah, but then folks want to complain about the deal. I'm like, really? Aren't we going to talk about this the, the 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 development of a player that we drafted in the fifth round that everybody was like, well, why are you drafting him? You, know, you got Cam Curl. <laughs> and then he goes out and balls out, and it's like, trip, 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 trip. Nobody wants to talk about that. Right. Talk about, oh, they got gash, and it was a Jacksonville. They, bruh, come on. You got to look at the positive and look at the bright spots of this team is progressing. First week, this man stepped in for nine. Folks was already complaining. Oh, Cam not there. We're going to get smoked in the secondary. It's going to this and this. And that man balled out. Yeah, he balled out. And no one talked about it. It's it's, it's crazy. But like I said, we could actually be a whole other show. Let's look at the Detroit game <laughs> yeah. real quick. We got to yeah. wrap up. I know Robbie got somebody waiting in the wings. That, that no, no, you're, you're it's all good. I, I definitely think um, I want to get each of your takes, all three of your takes on the Detroit game. Uh, and then I'll let Carol um solo the the baseball segment unless either of you guys want to join him for baseball uh i know ain't really nothing i watch no baseball i watched the last game in like two years i can't i can't watch and i only want to bring y'all down so i'll let y'all get out of it before i got to talk about that <laughs> I, I wanted at least to offer the opportunity if you know uh, but, but all right let's get everyone's uh final breakdown delivering onions too <laughs> um we'll start with champ what is your thoughts uh going into the lions game uh my thoughts are like they definitely have to duplicate some of what they did on offense in terms of spreading the ball around and making sure that everybody gets involved with the offense, run the ball a little bit more so that you can set up the play action pass to really open the field up a little bit more. And defensively, just continue to, when you get into those third down situations where it's third and short, third and mid, third and long, make sure you get off the field. Like get out, get off a third down, keep your defense rested, and they'll go out there and they'll do what they got to do. So I believe they can, they can win against Detroit. Uh, Matt Ryan, he's, eh, you know, he not that's important. huh? He's not the same. Yeah, he's eh. so. If you could get pressure on him, even though he is a veteran quarterback, you, you can get pressure on him and rattle him. I don't think he has a lot of weapons to really get deal with. So I think defensively, just get off the field on third downs. Offensively, do exactly what you did this week, except run the ball a little bit more. And I think they could beat Detroit. Oh, by the way, breaking news that came across the wire. TJ Watt doesn't have a torn pack. He might be back in six weeks. Oh, that's cool. Wonder what it is. I know they were talking about the day, so luckily it's not a torn pack day. That would be almost the whole season. Right. Wow. I'm looking at Geno Smith. He's passing it to everybody tonight. So um yeah, I don't know where this dude came from. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right. I didn't want to do a scoring up because because there was a guy who's in chat who's recording the game. So we'll we'll save that for just a minute until after this segment. Uh, but uh Dujanay, what are your thoughts on Detroit? Um, I don't think Detroit should be slept on. Um, <clears throat> you know, they scored 35 points. Uh Jared Golf was 21 of 37 uh for 215, two touchdowns and interception. Uh I don't think I think this speaks a little bit to Philly's defense more than it speaks to uh how well they played now let's be honest here they have weapons uh swift is no joke he went for 140 144 
against the 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 highly touted Eagles here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be the first one to say that I, I have them being the cream of the crop of this division coming into this thing. Uh, they have St. Brown out there on the outside, DJ Chark. Remember that guy? Um, you know, so they've got some guys that can make some plays. Um, I, I really believe the pressure that they got on a mobile quarterback, if they can do that again on a stationary quarterback, some of these numbers are going to go down. It's all going to, my concern is on the run game. 6.8 this week. I understand what you're saying, Carol. As a media guy, I got to look at that. That That's a concern. That's an area that we need to watch. They were 6.2 against the Philadelphia Eagles. Like I said, is that a testament to the Eagles defense? All these high stats? Um, possibly. They were also 9 of 14 on third down. But both teams were pretty crappy. Eagles were 10 of 17. So both defense wasn't playing worth a darn. Um, if Washington can limit the third down conversions, shore up the running game, and I think they can get after Jared Goff, who's stationary. Um, I thought they played pretty well on the outside, given the little things that we had with mismatches with the linebacker and and uh, Fuller not having a complete day. He had some had some miscues. Uh, I, I think they can win this game. I have it marked on our. Um, you know, even though it's kind of a haphazard thing, uh, I kind of have it marked as a win here. Um, and I believe that. I believe that they can win this game. Um, Detroit, although they put up 35 points, I believe the Washington defense can uh, kind of take a little bit of those 35 points off of there. Uh, but they do need to be aware that if they come out sleeping and thinking that it's just the Lions, they could get 35 biscuits put up on them pretty quick. So um, I'm not concerned about Washington's offense. I think they're going to go somewhere else this uh, upcoming week. It won't be a Samuel feature. They're going to feature someone else and they're going to sprinkle him in. Um, So uh, I'm not worried about the offense at all. My concern is the defense. And uh, yeah, I know what you're saying, Carol, and I agree. It's not that much of a concern, not like a, a tap the red button here. Like we need to be scared. It's just that you allowed a lot of rushing yards. Swift is a more formidable running back uh, and does an excellent job. They got also Jamal Williams as well. Um, They need to be very concerned about uh, those two. And if they can shore that up, put it on golf's back, it's a wrap. They're going to get some interceptions and uh, Washington will be winning another one. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, I think as long as they stay gap sound, uh, be true to, you know, the gap assignments and, you know, tackle and stop the run game, make them one-dimensional. Uh, I feel like this definitely should be a win. Like I said, you got to be weary and make sure you do your job and they're in the right position. And uh, like I said, just move forward. There's going to be ups and downs. going to be, you know, momentum swings in the game. It's all about how you finish the game. And, you know, they started out fast. You know, they had a little low, but they, you know, got it back right when they needed to. So I don't mind that combination. As long as you get out the gate fast, you establish yourself, you be dominant. You know, the other team's going to make adjustments, you know, try to make your adjustments quicker. And you know, get the momentum back so it doesn't swing and it don't doesn't lose the lead like they did in this game. But yeah, they definitely got to look out for Swift, especially on that turf in Detroit. That turf is fast, and you know, one wrong angle or one bad move, and that's eighty yards to the house. And then you're trying to figure out how to get out that hole. So yeah, definitely gonna be interesting. Gonna be definitely watching the, the injury report the rest of the week to see you know who's in, who's out, and uh, I think the offense is going to you know. 
do like they did, took time of possession, run the ball, keep the ball out of the other team's hands, and defense get them off the field and, you know, get a lead and make them play catch-up. And hopefully the defense stand up and they don't catch up. And we'll be celebrating another victory Monday in week two. Real quickly, uh, I just wanted to give a little update. Uh, so we've uh, – Jacksonville has got um, – Everyone except for Arun and my dad had us losing to, or had us winning. And uh, so Arun didn't believe in us, neither did my dad. For this Detroit game, only my dad didn't believe in us. So I think it's interesting that that's a <laughs> classic trap game in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, the la- fact that we all agreed that we're going uh, to do um, uh, well. So I don't know. I think we could do well, but. We just can't overlook anybody. We're not that good, you know? So it's just, right. I think this Lions team is also very different, like the Jags, you know, the Jags are as well. And uh, they showed themselves this week um, and stuff like that. Eddie, can we have you turn off your camera just for one second? And then we'll, when we get these guys off, we'll add you just for Carol's uh, feed. Thank you. Um, and uh, just because I know it's throwing off Carol's feed. Uh, but the uh, we're going to be bringing in Eddie in just a second. We're going to do a quick, baseball segment but i just wanted to let uh Dujane, uh give a, a quick little update about his podcast and let us know um you know where we can find that and then we'll get Dujane and get his sign off as well and then we'll let carol do like a quick 10 minute 15 minute baseball segment you know i'm gonna I'm dedicate this one to my guy dc's people champ um you guys know where you can find me it's at not bland 21 you know the podcast will be started back up this week uh for the breakdown but I'm going to give this one to DC's people champ uh, champ and Sith do an excellent job uh, covering wrestling pro wrestling. If you're a pro wrestling watcher, um, you know, some of the greatest times I have watching pay-per-views is watching the true no spots podcast. And I don't see enough of you guys in there. Um, I know there's a lot of wrestling watchers out there. So what I'm going to ask you to do is go over to Twitch, find the true no spots podcast true no spots pod and subscribe even buy uh one of those uh you know subscriptions there you will have a great time watching pay-per-views with uh champ and sith they do an excellent job they do an excellent job breaking down wrestling uh, as we get into you know these different big time pay-per-views that we have coming up uh so please i don't see enough of you guys in there um this is great stuff that they put together they take the time to do it um, and they do a good job of talking wrestling. We don't all have to agree, but uh, it is all nice to place come to come together to talk some wrestling and uh, you know talk some shop about what's going on in the world of wrestling. So um, please do that for me. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated, and those guys would too because they work extremely hard to provide you the best in wrestling coverage. I really appreciate that shout out because I enjoy modding over there. I often lurk. I don't buy the pay-per-views myself, but I'll sometimes come in and just enjoy listening to them talk about it and how excited you guys all get for the moment. I don't watch a pay-per-view yeah. without watching yeah. True No Spots podcast along with it. I don't care if they're ahead of me or not. I can't, yeah. I can't, I have to watch it with them. It's a new ritual and it should be a ritual for you too. 
Yes, I appreciate that. So um, it's awesome seeing that you in there and people just come over to Twitch. I know it's like the dark side. People on Facebook really are scared by it. It's a really fun community. There's some great people in our chat here. Uh, a person we're about to bring on is a great person from Twitch as well. There's some wonderful people over here. It's not that scary. It's really opening a very warm community. Yeah. It's very easy. You don't have to spend money if you don't want to. Yep. If you want to give a little extra bonus to the people who are doing some work, it's a great way to do that as well champ does a great show uh i'm so happy that i've been able to make some of his emotes i want to make some animated and some more emotes for him so i'll definitely have him on we'll do a collab stream sometime soon where we design some stuff for him uh but it's definitely it's a fun time uh and uh everyone should definitely check out i i have given a shout out in our twitch chat but um we yeah. should definitely uh shout him out more but dujanae thank you so much for joining us we'll have no you problem. on next week all and, right uh, we'll, we'll see you soon all right guys have a good one all right, all right. Champ, let people know what's happening on the No Spots podcast this week. Dujane is goaded for that. Thank you so much, my friend. I really do appreciate that. Um, this week, uh, we're going to be looking back on the week in wrestling, of course, uh, as well as any news that pops up this week. Uh, not much has been going on in the news outside of the whole thing with CM Punk and what happened last week. We'll see if there are any updates there. And we'll have a nice little third segment, little countdown thing that we'll be doing uh, before we get into the week in review. So you can check us out streaming live on twitch.tv slash true no spots pod Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard, Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, and the audio goes up every Sunday at 10 a.m. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. Sounds good. Well, definitely people go check out sportsothp.com. Uh, click the podcast partners button. I've got links for both Dujanae and Champ in there. Uh, also, if you click on, um, you know, we have information for more, um, you know, people over there all over. We have our bios and stuff. You just click team sports OTHB on sportsothp.com. If you click on that, it's got the bios for all of our different team members. You can find all of their links, including Anna, Arun, Brian, Tim, Ken, uh, Dujanae, and others. So, you know, it's a, it's a good place to get resources if you need to get all everyone's social media and stuff like that. But definitely check off the podcast partners link. Uh, that That's the completed podcast. But if you want to be a part of the process of making it or some of these watch alongs, I definitely, uh, True No Spots Pod on uh, Twitch is a great place to be. Thank you, Champ. I, I look forward to you uh, continuing to be in chat maybe for the next uh, segment. Uh, we appreciate the football talk and we'll talk more next week. I got to. Sayonara. Thank you. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to turn off my camera and let you just do a solo uh, gig for 10 minutes. I'm going to go grab a couple of things uh, and set up for the art stream while you do it. But I'll be listening, but I'll let you just rock and roll for the next like 10, 15 on uh, some quick baseball news. All right, give me a quick second. Let me get my scene together. All right. And, uh... Come in for a Nationals talk. Uh, the Nets went two and four last week. Last 10, they went four and six. They're currently sitting at 49 and 92 on the verge of a 100 loss season. Uh, it sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, they've been playing, you know, like I said last week, they had a winning week. This week, they weren't as lucky in the uh, defensive category and uh, the bullpen category. They blew a few leads, uh, especially getting swept by the Phillies. Had a few chances to get a win, but uh, unfortunately, the bullpen couldn't hold up a lead. And unfortunately, uh, added to the uh, losing uh, of this year. But like I said, uh, C.J. Abrams actually had the play of the week. If you checked out the video on my YouTube channel that I shared, that I uh, highlight I put out, 
against Philly. He made a hell of a play and the in the whole um get a out that no one even expected, even Bob Carpenter. <clears throat> excuse me, thought it was a hit and called it as a hit, and it was actually an out. But uh, some of these younger players are playing well. Joey Menendez, who called a 10-year uh, minor league player. He's been contributing. He has eight home runs since he's been called up, since the Juan Soto trade. Uh, Corbin has pitched better. Uh, he had two wins in a row. He looked like he was starting to figure something out after two years of being so inconsistent and having, uh, <laughs> yeah, just – Double-digit losses. He's leading the uh, majors and losses again uh, this year. That's not again, but this year also. Um, but it's not as bad as everyone thinks. That's prospects. Got some things coming up. We're going to see some players getting called up towards the end of the year to see. Oh, excuse me. You have to pardon me. Uh, to see what else. Uh, see how these players are developing and see what they can add to the team. Getting ready for spring training next year. Because uh, season be all, I believe, October 5th is the last game for the Nationals and then postseason to be starting and then we'll see who the new World Series champ is and then we'll see no spring training to be here before you know it. But uh, let's go ahead and recap the week that was. They had a four-game series versus the Cardinals, which they split, won the first one, lost the two in the middle and found a way to win the one. Uh, the last one, uh, the third game, uh, should have been a victory, a blown opportunity, had a four-run lead and uh, someone gave up five runs in the inning in the bottom of the ninth to find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. But let's go ahead and get to this St. Louis series. They played pretty well. Unfortunately, like I said, it was only earned a split. Uh, the first game was a 6-0 win. Anibal Sanchez earned his second victory in a row. That put him at 2-5. and five. He went five innings, doing two hits, no runs, with three strikeouts and two walks. Jack Flirty took the loss for St. Louis. That put him at 0-1. He went five innings, giving up six hits, one run with six strikeouts and one walk. Mason Thompson earned his first save of the year for the Nationals. He went three innings, giving a one hit, no runs with a strikeout and no walks. Top of the third, Lane Thomas had an RBI double. Top of the sixth, they put up uh, four runs. Uh, Lane Thomas walked in uh, with the bases loaded, walked in a run. Uh, Luis Garcia had an RBI single. Joey Menezes had an RBI single. And Luke Voigt had a sacrifice fly. And in the top of the eighth, uh, Luis had a solo home run. Uh, the second game of the series was a 4-1 loss. Uh, Jose Quintana earned the victory for St. Louis. I put him at five and six. He went five minutes, giving him five hits, one run, five strikeouts, and no walks. Uh, Paolo Espino took the loss. This man just has no luck as a starter. He's 0-7. Five uh, went five innings, gave us seven hits, three runs, five strikeouts, and uh, no walks. Um, and Ryan Helsley earned the 14th save of the season, going one inning, giving up one hit, no runs with a strikeout and a walk. Uh, El Diamo El, El Vargas had an RBI single in the top of the second to account for the long run for the Nationals. And the second game, uh, with a third game, I'm sorry, they had the ugly blown opportunity. They were up five to one going into the bottom of the knife, and Kyle Finnegan found a way to give up five runs for the Nets to lose six to five. Um, I watched this game, Nets played very well, everything was going well, looked good. The Nets want to get the win, and unfortunately. 
house. And again, uh, couldn't get anyone out and gave up five runs and two thirds of an inning. Uh, Jake Woodard, Woodard earned the victory. That put him at five and zero. He went one inning, giving up two hits, no runs, no strikeouts, or walks. And as I say, Cal Finnegan took the loss. That put him at five and three. He went two thirds of an inning, giving up four hits, five runs, one strikeout, and two walks. Uh, the top of the seventh, Cesar Hernandez had an RBI triple. Eighth inning, Nats put up four runs to give him the five-one lead. But unfortunately, as I say, Finnegan found a way to give up five runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. Menezes had an RBI single. Luke Voigt had a two-run uh, home run, and Luis Garcia had an RBI single. Uh, let's see, in the last game of the series, which was a good bounce back for the Nationals, they were able to salvage the split and went two and two. They won the game eleven to six. Mason Thompson earned the victory that put him at one and two. He went one and two thirds, giving up no hits, runs, strikeouts, or walks. Andre Palante took the loss that drops him to six and five. He went a third of an inning, giving him two hits, one run, no strikeouts, or walks. Um, the top of the ninth, the Nats actually put up four runs. They were up seven to six. And after seeing, you know, what happened the night before, they uh got some much needed insurance to make sure they uh earned the split and earned the victory. Top of the seventh, Cesar Hernandez had a sacrifice fly. CJ Abrams had an RBI double in the uh then in the top of the ninth, as I mentioned. Cesar Hernandez had a RBI single, and Alex Call had a three-run home run. Alex Call went four for five in that game. If you checked out the video I did that I put up, he had five RBIs. Went four for five and had a three-run home run in the top of the ninth to extend the lead. To, so the Nets earned that victory 11-6, which, as I said, split the series. And on their way to Philly, hopefully with some momentum to at least earn one victory. And unfortunately, uh, they didn't. They got swept by the Phillies. Bryce Harper had just came back. He made his staple on the second game. First game was a 5-3 loss. This was a game that was winnable by the Nets. They were down 3-0, but fought back in, fought back in and tied the game, but unfortunately weren't able to uh, get that go-ahead run, and the Phillies were able to get that go-ahead run. Uh, Noah Syndergaard earned his ninth victory of the year. I put him at 9-9. Nine he uh, went six innings, gave up eight hits, three runs, two strikeouts, and no walks. Patrick Corbin took the loss. It drops him to six and 18. He went six and two-thirds, giving up 12 hits, five runs, with two strikeouts, and no walks. And Nick Nelson earned the uh, save, I'm sorry, his first save of the season, going with a third of an inning, giving up no hits, no runs, no strikeouts, no walks. Top of the fifth lane, Thomas had an RBI triple, followed by Luis Garcia's RBI single. In the top of the seventh, Alex Call had a solo home run, which brought the Nationals to a tie, but unfortunately, the bullpen couldn't hold up and they gave up runs in the eighth. Uh, second game of the series was an 8-5 loss. Uh, Ranger Suarez took the, earned the victory for Philly. That puts him at 9-5. He went six and two-thirds, uh, giving up seven hits, four runs, four strikeouts in the walk. Eric Fetty took the loss. It drops him to six and ten. Uh, he went three and two-thirds, giving five hits, four runs with one strikeout and four walks. Uh, Nats had a two-nothing lead, but as you heard, Fetty uh, in the third inning just lost his release point and couldn't get anything over. 
walked a couple of folks and gave up a home run and paid for it. And then next thing you know, he was out. And yeah, the Nats weren't able to overcome some of the uh, runs that he gave up that inherited by the bullpen that they gave up also. Uh, top of the third, Joey Manessis had a two-run home run. That was the lead that they had. Then the next inning, uh, Bryce Harper hit a two-run home run to tie it up. Then the Phillies added two more runs in and after that. And then the Nets got back in in the top of the seven, seventh when Vargas had an RBI double. Lane Thomas had an RBI single, uh, which got them back into the game, but they were still down. They were down eight to four going into the ninth, and Lane Thomas had an RBI single to make it eight to five, but unfortunately that was as close as they could get and game over, eight five loss. In the last game of the series, the Nats were trying to salvage their last trip on to Philly this season. And unfortunately it was a seven to five loss with a three hour rain delay, which made it even worse. And they actually had the lead in this game, but unfortunately we gave up the lead again late and Philly was able to capitalize uh, seven to five with the final score. Jose Alvarado earned the victory. That put him at four and two. He went a third, uh, one inning, giving up no hits, no runs, and a strikeout and no walks. Kyle Finnegan took the loss. That drops him to five and four. He went one inning, giving up two hits, two runs, but one strikeout and no walks. Uh, David Robinson earned his 19th save of the season. He went one inning, giving up no hits, run, no runs, with three strikeouts and no walks. Uh, the top of the third, Boyd had an RBI single. Top of the fourth, Christian Hernandez had an RBI single. Uh, Vargas had an RBI single to follow that up, and Manessas had an RBI single to follow that up. In the top of the sixth, Manessas had a sacrifice fly. But as I said, unfortunately, and the relievers couldn't hold the lead and ended up giving up the loss in the top of the, in the bottom of the sixth. They had tied the score, and unfortunately, they gave the lead right in the bottom of the sixth and weren't able to come back. And that wraps up the week that was a two and four week uh, upcoming. I have a two game series against the uh, wild card chasing Baltimore Orioles. So everyone is uh, you know, shocked that they're doing as well because they were picked to finish last in the whole MLB and they're fighting for a playoff spot. I still believe I haven't checked on them lately, but I think they're still fighting for a wild card spot. Uh, they have Tuesday and Wednesday. Both of those are 705 starts. And then they have the Marlins coming to town. For a weekend series, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, Friday is a 7 o'clock start. Saturday is a 4 o'clock start. And Sunday is a 1 o'clock start. So um, season's wrapping up. As I said, it could be over October 5th. We can, uh, you know, chalk this season up finally because it hasn't been nothing too pretty to uh, look at. Approaching 100 losses is never a good thing. But last time we hit 100 losses, you know, got some draft picks and went on a nice little run to culminate with the World Series championship. So hopefully it won't get that bad. But uh, like I said, there's some pieces that's playing well. CJ Abrams, I said, earned the play of the week with the play made. If you want to check out the video, go check out my YouTube channel. I put a nice little highlight video against Philly this weekend. He has some stellar plays in the field. I think they've, uh, since we uh, traded trade we finally do have another shortstop ever since he's took over that position they haven't had as many errors uh garcia has still a question mark um but for the most part ever since that he's been inserted into the shortstop position the infield has played a lot better uh they've been killing luke void at first base with some of these throws you know josh bell was pretty decent at first base he's a little bit taller so he can make some of those uh catches to save 
when they make mistakes. But uh, unfortunately, Luke Boyd isn't the same height, and uh, some of those throws have been getting away from him. So, but for the most part, like I said, it could be worse. We got some prospects. We're gonna see problem. Some of them get called up, and we see what goes on from there. But like I said, they start the two game series with those starting tomorrow at seven o'clock. We'll see how that goes, and uh, only a few more episodes we're coming to that talk, and go from there. I uh, see Robbie G's back, and I'm about to go ahead and get out of here. Quick score update on the Seattle-Denver game. Seattle's up 17-13, three minutes left in the third quarter, and I believe Denver just turned the ball over on the goal line, and Seattle recovered in the end zone for a touchback. Wow. This wow. Yeah, this game is pretty crazy for sure. It wasn't my running. Oh, that was my running back too. Damn it, he didn't lost two points for me. So, oh, good. well, Carol, I uh, appreciate doing this with you. I'm gonna end our. Um, I'll let you do your initial sign off, and I'll end uh, the Facebook uh, feed for those users. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in on uh, Facebook. Uh, Carol, do your final sign off, and then you, I guess, drop off at Zoom, and you can do your uh, post game videos if you'd like to do that. Uh, right, matter of fact, let me get that right. Since you were talking about that, I forgot to do that while I was talking. But as always, we appreciate you guys checking us out, tuning in Monday night, doing a Monday night football and recapping the commanders and checking out talking about these nets once again. Make sure you uh go subscribe and follow to my YouTube channel, Carol Porter the Third with three eyes. Should you check out the website, sportsotsp.com? Uh, like I said, be on the lookout. For our morning show, which will be starting soon. Don't have an exact date right now. Got some things up in the air, but uh, working on getting the co host. Looking for a nice uh, someone, a young lady. Definitely would like to have bringing more female viewers and listeners. Uh, I know a lot of young ladies that love talking sports, but just don't like talking on the radio. So if you know anyone interested, definitely hit us up because uh, we're looking to expand and bring more Sports of the Hill podcast to your platform with the best. DC sports coverage and sports coverage period around DC sports about the politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. CP3 live from the lab. About to get out of here. Robbie, have a good rest of the show. And y'all be easy. I'm out. Hi, everybody. Coming up next is our post game analysis from Sunday, just after the game hurt. Carol and Robbie all talk about uh, what a wonderful game it was. We figured we would add that in as bonus content for people who listen to the audio podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. That's right. Victory Monday, Sports on the Hill podcast, True Radio Network, coming to you live from At The Bar Radio Studio. Washington Commanders defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars in nail-biting, heart-attack-almost-having fashion. 28 to 22. We got a lot to talk about. As you see, we have Big Hurt in the house for post game. We got Robbie G in the house for post game. So you know it's going to be a lit episode. It's week one. We had a lot of haters, a lot of doubters. Everybody was talking about how bad this team is going to be. Carson Wentz is a joke. Y'all waste. Y'all this. Y'all that. I had pit folks trolling me through the game tagging me in post before the game was even over, talking about I was going to make excuses. And I'm here to say we don't make excuses here. We talk the real. Big hurt. I've been watching you. I've been seeing what you've been posting. I saw what you posted right before the game. How do you feel 
after this heart uh, heart testing week one victory over Jacksonville? Well, let me start by saying, what's going on, good people? What's happening? It's been so long. I miss doing this. I miss my guys at Sports in the Hill. But let me start by saying, there was a little mistake or misinterpretation on my page. When I said we take in Jacksonville, I wasn't saying I'm taking Jacksonville for the victory. I'm saying we are taking Jacksonville. And though y'all who know me know I don't lie. If I say I thought we were going to lose, I would say it. I love this team. I don't know these people. <laughs> I don't know that guy who was wearing number 10, who was catching the ball and moving up field and not being hurt, okay? I don't know the tall guy who can see over his offensive line and was throwing the ball and hitting people in stride, all right? I don't know the guy who was walking around with a headset calling imaginative and creative runs and pass plays. I don't know the guy who said, oh, we're not getting up front with four people. Let's throw in some exotic blitzes. I don't know these people. I hope I get to see more of them. No doubt. I definitely agree with everything you said. If uh, you was following my page, you saw some of the critiques I had. Um, we got to talk about that ugly third quarter. Got to talk about that ugly third quarter. Yeah. But I must say I was impressed with Scott Turner, especially in the first half. Like you say, his playbook, he was being very, uh, very, a word I haven't been able to use in a long He was being very diverse with his playbook. Today. And we saw that Curtis Samuel, who a lot of folks has labeled as a bust, a wasted pick. And I recall last year saying, I hope they shut him down for the whole season. So when he comes back next year, he'll be fresh. And they didn't, but they pretty much did. And now he, now you can see why they put him in the position because he's like a Swiss Army knife, man. You line a dude up everywhere. He had more carries in the first half than Gibson did at running back. So, I mean, he uh, scored the first touchdown as the, as the, uh, under the Commanders franchise. And I was, I, I got to say, with Scott Turner, I was very impressed. And I, I was shocked also to, to see his, like you say, imagination. He was actually setting up some of his plays. It's like he, he studied Doug Peterson and was like, hey, I'm going to do that too. What do you say, they, bro? They, 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 ran that, they ran that crossing route to Terry McLaurin like three or four times and never threw to him. And they ran um, – they ran the, the slot receiver straight post where the slot receiver goes up the field and then turns in and forces the safety to shift over. And they set it up and set it up and set it up so that when it was time for Terry McLaurin to go straight, as soon as the safety looks one way, looks at that slot receiver, it's over. Because with Terry McLaurin, if he's even, he's leaving. And I love it. I, I know him. I just didn't see much of him last year. I, I know that guy, though. It was uh, definitely uh, a pleasant surprise to see the offense being open and being wide open. Robbie G, I know you've been uh, back there sharing. I know you, because uh, we were talking throughout the game, you were, uh, you know, little little on the ropes. You were up now. We, we were, both <laughs> we were all up and, and down. I mean, it was a, all upset I... that third quarter. <laughs> I was uh, on the verge of flipping over the TV. Because after that uh, that interception on that screen pass, I, I was <laughs> uh, I, well. The problem is I had walked away because I was just so kind of mad, and I and then I heard the interception in the other room, and I was like, 
I just kind of felt it was coming. And then the touchdown was the next play. Like, so I was out of the room when it happened. I just kind of felt bad energy. I just didn't even. And of course, the second I step back in, I'm like, yep, that makes a lot of sense. And I have to say, my dad called me a lot during uh, the game. He was very up and down on uh, this team, as I think a lot of people were. But uh, Carson Wentz, you know, he changed the narrative. For a while, I was like, oh, no, he's going to have his last loss the old team and his first loss with his new team back to back Jacksonville. And then sure enough, he came back and uh, threw some beautiful balls. I mean, he had to really forget what he had done in some of those plays and just move on. And uh, just, it was funny. We, we didn't go to scary Terry as much as I had expected. A lot of other players uh, did, did a lot better. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. Go fast, Robbie. Uh, my OBS has shut down on me. Let me make sure my speed is back up and running, bro. My whole OBS just shut down on me while you in the middle were talking. That's oh, awesome. no. Okay, I think we, I think, okay, I'm back up on OBS. Let me make sure my feet. Go ahead, Robbie. Make sure my All feet. All right, that sounds good. We're still, I think, live here on Twitch. So at least we're, uh, we're well, the benefit of streaming on three different platforms is at least we're still live somewhere. So yeah, um, now, bro, that, that scared me. Yeah. Um, uh, I lost but, it. So you have to go start ahead, over. Robert, you got the Twitch feed going. I'm gonna have to uh, restart mine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Yeah, it's been a, a crazy day of ups and downs across the NFL, but it was. Uh, I was just very excited to see us be able to pull out this game after being down. Uh, you know, we were up so big, and then the momentum shifted, and uh, we made some adjustments. Carol was talking uh, before it, it all started. Uh, in our pregame show about how we had to make adjustments throughout the game. And it looked like uh, Jacksonville made the adjustments at halftime, but we were able to make adjustments going into the fourth quarter to really kind of slow down the tempo and milk a lot of the clock. Um, and we uh, hadn't been running the ball particularly a lot in the game, but it's sort of the end of the game, we kind of went back to it, which I was happy. I'm sure Carol was happy to see that too, because I know sometimes we go away from it at the end, but Hurt, what are some of your thoughts on uh the up and down nature of today's game. Well, I will say this. There was a period in time where we started getting away from the run game. And I was a little worried about that um, because you get away from the run game. You make yourself one dimensional, even when the passing game is working for you. Um, it's hard to turn the switch back on when you need the run game to close the game out. You're out of a rhythm. So I was a little worried about that. I was also worried because it's not very often we get big leads on people, you know? Um, under Jay Gruden, 14 points was all you could hope for. You're like, hey, let's go ahead and pack it in. We get these early 14, well, not these early 14 points, but these 14 points later, we have a little bit of a lead. You know, there's no adjustments to be made. So even when we were down by eight, I never lost hope that we would win the game. I never really? lost hope. I'm not sure all of the uh, Commanders fans out there would be in that same boat, but I'm happy that you were. But have, at the same time, if you, um, if you find anything that I was saying during Can halftime, I was saying that I wasn't comfortable. I said, I'm not comfortable with this lead we have because Jacksonville's missed some opportunities. But, oh, I see uh, CP3 back with us. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. give me a continue because now my camera's acting up. I just... <laughs> see you, though. I mean, we see you. Yeah, Bruh, I don't know. Yeah, my my uh, go just continue, fellas. Continue. Fellas. <laughs> but anyway, I'm trying to yeah, get straight it, over here, man. <laughs> it was um, Ron Rivera has proven that he will train his guys 
to fight to the last man, to fight in the fourth quarter like they fight in the first quarter. The last drives of Washington are always special to watch. Carol, do you want to just share the, we have a feed that's still live on our uh, Facebook feed. Just share that one. And just, you're already on that and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I'm still got to get my YouTube feed when I got my folks on you. That's what's killing me, my other feed that I got. got it. Ah. Yeah. This is all the, the restream. It's uh, it's crazy. There's too many platforms out there. There's no, uh, there's no <laughs> app yet where you can stream everything at the same time. Well, I that's what we're using. And for some that's reason, the website just renamed itself like two months ago. And I've been using, like you say, a restream. And because I'm not able to... Uh, commit the funds right now i can only stream the two uh two channels right now but go ahead I'm, we'll, we'll talk about that later go ahead and talk to <laughs> you talking to the audience about the game it's killing me yeah no problem but um all right her let's just start with talking about the offense i mean carson Wentz, you know had some questionable plays uh i know we talked before we got on here about how he was kind of they didn't set him up for success with some plays but uh, when he was able to um make some of those deep connections it looked like he had pretty good rhythm what were some of your thoughts on that you know i i was really upset during the preseason because i'm like you know this would be a great time to practice getting those 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 down the stream down the down the field in stream in 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 motion passes i'm so sick of us throwing the ball and the receiver either has to wait for the ball to get there or it's just over his head and we've seen too much of that the last few years so to see terry only have to slow down slightly to wait for the ball and then still have enough time to pick up and burn by the uh, safety it, it was good to see it's yeah. not something we're used to seeing yeah, it was interesting. Um, just in general, I liked how the position groups were very interesting. Like you didn't know if they were a running back or a wide receiver. They kept on switching them up so much that I think that that really caught Jacksonville off guard. I mean, I was looking at they really brought a lot with different things with the rushing attack. It wasn't a more conventional, you know, one for a lot of the game. And but I thought it was good. It kept them on their heels a lot. And uh it just, you know, Samuel had a hell of a game. Just, you know, his ability and a lot of the players were able to move after the catch and be able to get you know upfield and spin moves and you know and, and some really great stuff that we saw there. Uh I, some of the things that I think we've been missing the last couple of years with the team. Yeah and and you know I got sick of last year hearing how much we were missing from the game because of Curtis Samuel. I got sick of hearing that shit. It's like, you just don't know. He adds a whole nother layer to the offense. And I got sick of hearing it. So then to see it, to see the fact that he can run the ball and they're not afraid to let him run the ball, to see that he's a, a threat to catch the ball and then make a person miss, to see that he's also a downfield threat, even though we didn't do a lot of downfield stuff with him. Yeah, by the way, you got Terry and you got Dotson. It's it's exciting. This is a wide receiver core. We definitely haven't had one of those. A wide receiver core. Three guys. Well, I want to speak to that a little bit. We had Wentz went for 313 passing yards. But if you look along the line, nobody had more than like 50, right? So it was like, so many people got involved beyond like the top three to five. I mean, it was just everybody 
you know, got in there. And it's rare to see a, a 300 yard passing game without somebody going for more than 75 at least. So I thought that's, you know, an interesting thing to see that he had some decent chemistry with a wide range of players, which is something I like to see in the first game. Yeah. Um, having, having uh, multiple receivers or multiple players with catches gives the defense multiple things to think about. Everybody becomes a threat. You got legitimately McKissick, Gibson, and Samuels, who are both run or passing threats. You can line them up anywhere, and they can make a play from anywhere. Uh, Gibson, Gibson makes a play up the seam, and it's beautiful. Uh, McKissick, running the ball for eight, nine yards at a time where we really needed to get a chunk of yardage. It, it's, it's, it's good to see them mix everything up this way. It's a wonderful thing to see. No doubt, no doubt. Finally back in the building, I figured out what was going on. I had some other feeds going that was shutting down my main feed. I don't know what, I don't know how that happened, you know. But um, like you said, like you guys were talking, very good points about the receiving core. Robbie with the points about, you know, nobody had over, you know, 70 yards receiving. You know, Gibson had seven for 72. Uh, Samuel had five for 55. Uh, Terry had two for 58. He scored. Dotson had three for 40 with two touchdowns. I mean, you got to give a shout out to the, uh, to the rookie, you know, he had a quiet, quiet first half and, uh, you know, got that touchdown in the uh, first and then got the second one in the second half. Uh, that, that second one, they said he had good hands. Yeah. That, that was a hell of a catch. Um, Wentz, um, I feel like he did a quality job. They put him in a position in a good position to win early in the game. He was getting the ball out quick, hitting the receivers. Like you say, it hurt in stride, not having to wait for the ball or, you know, see where it's going to come down at because it's a wounded duck. And um, Amen. he was putting them in a position to be successful. And that's what I was speaking about earlier, that, you know, we have the talent, but the question is, are the coordinators going to put these players in a, in a position to be successful and win on the field? And in that first half, we definitely saw that from uh, Scott Turner, uh, the diversity of the playbook, where he was going, he uh, kept them off balance. Uh, like you mentioned, I, I'm not really a fan of the third down shotgun all the time. Uh, sometimes you got to, you know, run it down their throat sometimes just to let them know that, hey, we still can play smash mouth too, but we got a quality quarterback now. Um, defensively, um, there was some communication issues on the back end, and they were talking about how much communication that was being done. Granted, Curl wasn't out there. You had uh, Forrest out there, Reeves out there, uh, different positions. But um, – uh, they just have to fix those communication issues, but I feel like for the most part, Del Rio's game plan was was uh, pretty effective. It was uh, definitely, you know, better than we've seen in the past. So just that that third quarter that we know, like I said, Doug Peterson is a masterful game game planner and game caller. And the way they sputtered in the first half, I knew they were going to come out in the second half with some new tricks and, you know, ways to open it up for them to get the ball to their playmakers and get the ball out of Lawrence's hands. And I felt like it took Del Rio too long to make the adjustments to his adjustments. But like I said, I'm not going to, you know, beat a dead horse on that. They got the win. They got they stepped up when they needed to. Uh, shout out to uh, Derek Ford, second-year player. They talked about how well he uh, played in camp and that the light, you know, finally came on for him. Uh, that, that first uh, hit in the first half on uh, ETN, jarring the ball loose, and I felt like that was a, a, a fumble. Fumble for sure. 
yeah, he went to go make a football move and he went to move the ball. And that's when the ball moved after he made the football move and the game still an interception, you know, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing week one, you know, nobody's going to be perfect, but it was a damn sure good way to start the season out. And, and that's something else that we've really struggled with as a team, as an organization. And of course, a lot of that was the same guy with the same problem. We used to take too long to get going. Mm-hmm. It would take two or three games to find what works for us. And by then, everybody else has moved on. Yep. It's nice to come out strong. And more than that, it's nice to know that we've come out and we can improve upon this and, and hopefully not go backwards. Because it's, it's just frustrating to have to wait until week four for Wentz and Terry to get into a, a connection. And I guess that's what happens when you take practice more seriously. Practice becomes almost like a game. That's what I was I was saying that earlier about with Coach, how this offseat, this training camp, he made a he made a concerted effort to be in those defensive meetings and to be mm-hmm. in those offensive meetings to put his imprint on there. And with him, I said it over and over again, with him parting ways with Sam Mills earlier in the offseason, that to me, that was a statement that. No matter how long you riding with me, if we don't see eye to eye on this, there's no more excuses this year. It's either you're going to do it the way I want and the way I feel like it's going to be successful this team, or, you know, you can be elsewhere. And I'm not saying that to be spiteful, but I'm, I take that as he's looking at this as he knows this is a make it or break it year. No time for excuses. You got a third place schedule. You finally got a quarterback that can do the things that you want. And people want to see, you know, what those three years really mean. And I feel like, this team could, you know, if they continue to grow and progress and play like today and play better as we know they can, the sky's the limit. Not saying they ain't going to win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying most folks have them winning four games, five games. I think the highest I saw them predict was maybe eight games. I feel like this team could legitimately win 10 games this year if they stay healthy. You know, I I remember um, doing the Sports on the Hill pick them. And I remember sitting there, I just remember doing what I used to do on Facebook, where I would just pick the games in order, not give it a lot of thought, and not say, well, I got the winning too many games here, so let me pull it back. And mm-hmm. Robbie said, hey, man, you got the winning 12 games. And my response to him was, no way, because I didn't even review it. He's like, you want to change it? You want to do a second one? I'm like, no. I felt the way I felt. And that was me being truly optimistic. And this coach, He's shown me improvement. He's shown me that this means things that were taken for granted before mean something now. Practice is important. Preseason wasn't very important. But in, in the business world, they call it a landmark fire, where you just firing a defensive line coach. And some would say is to make room for Kerrigan. I hope that's not the case. But to fire him sends a message to everybody. Like you said, no excuses, but everyone's held accountable. Mm -hmm. If anybody's not pulling their weight, they can go, whether it be a backup tackle, whether it be a defensive line coach, whether it be a safety wide receiver, anybody can be gone. And um, it looks like the right move right now, the defensive line was a lot more shifty. 
can we talk about how disciplined they were at keeping Lawrence in the pocket? Because we saw against Kansas City what Patrick Mahomes did because they weren't being gap disciplined and didn't, weren't staying in their lane assignments. I got to give them an A-plus on that this game because they stayed gap disciplined. When they got even with Lawrence in the pocket, they didn't continue to rush upfield and let him sneak out of where they just left from. They played disciplined, smart football. And unfortunately, we saw Mathis go down, but I saw that he was questionable for a return. So that hopefully is a sign that it's nothing major. It looked like it was a hyperextension of the knee when I looked at it on, um, re-looked at it on during the game. But hopefully he'll be okay. We saw Allen went down later in the game. Hopefully we be okay because we all know the defensive tackle is the lightest position on the line. We only have four guys, if you count wise, because they had him listed at DN, but they got him playing at D tackle. So um, I know a lot of folks was upset with Settle and the Uniteds being gone. When we had the depth, you know, it was it was a luxury. But like I said before, you can't keep everybody, unfortunately. And it's a it's a good problem to have. Yeah. A good problem to have is, man, we can't keep these uh, these depth uh, players, these backup players, because we have to sign a superstar. We have to sign uh, we have to sign Terry. We have to sign Jonathan Allen. There are decisions that are going to have to be made. It looks like they've already made a decision on Deron Payne, and they're ready to move on unless he's willing to, you know, take the other state. I still think they should trade. If you're not going to sign, that's that's something we've never done. We've had players where it's like, yeah, we know we're gonna we're gonna lose this guy. We know he's not gonna resign. Let's get something for him now. That's not something we've ever really done. We've always been content with the compensatory picks. So I want so more you, than a compensatory pick for this dude. So so you don't think there's a chance that if he has an outstanding season, they would try to resign him? Because he's definitely motivated to play I, well. They they never closed the door on not resigning. I don't think we're gonna be able to afford him. Yeah. yeah I don't think we're gonna be able to put that much money in two defensive linemen. Man, true. And then you got, you know, you got sweat coming up. At some point, you're gonna have to sign Chase Young. Like, no, you can you can have Jonathan Allen and you can develop somebody next to him yeah. for the price that he would cost. True, true. Yeah, he has been quality, you know, but like like we said, you can't sign everybody. And uh, you know, we just gotta make sure we got depth at the defensive tackle. I got to look at the practice squad to see who else is uh, on our practice squad because, uh, yeah, we definitely want to make sure to have to keep that interior uh, stout. And uh, Ryan Kerrigan, I hope he continues to uh, enlist his knowledge and tutelage on this defensive line and uh, get those guys, you know, where we think they should be on the, on, on paper. I, I really didn't get – I looked at the game, but I didn't really get a chance to examine the game, so I didn't really get to break it down like I wanted to. I'm going to get ready to go ahead and just go into the – just go ahead and break down the stats real quick because that's I got to get ready to wrap up and get ready for Ed the Bar Radio at 6. And after I get the stats, we can give our final thoughts and, you know, give looking forward to Detroit next week. I believe they got uh, – they took the loss to Philly today, I believe. Just – hey, just barely. Philly was whooping oh, yeah. the ass, but they only lost by three. Nice, so that's, nice. not a, that's not a cakewalk game. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's their coach? Um, uh fuck is their coach name? Drawing a blank. The Dan Quinn? No, not Dan Quinn. Well, their coach got them ready to play. I can't remember his name, but he's definitely a, a quality coach. You know, he hasn't had the best resume, but he has his teams playing hard, and uh, they will play 60 minutes. So, yeah, next week is going to, you know, on the road too. So, we're going to see what happens. But getting down to the tail of the tape, I'll go over the team stats first. 
Uh, Washington had 26 first downs. Jacksonville had 23. Washington went seven for 10 on third down conversion. 70%. Wow, who are these guys? <laughs> exactly. And they held Jacksonville to three for 12 on third down conversions. Woo. That's, you know, that's good for the stats. You know how we always end up lowering the stats at the beginning We've of the season. We've been bad on third down for of, years. Yeah, we won't be digging out of a hole for, for the first time in a while, in that category at least. Um, passing yards, Washington had 305. Jacksonville had 260. Russian, Washington had 84, and Jacksonville had 123. Uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting um, – I wasn't expecting their running back to come back healthy. I had, you know, I had him on my squad. I heard had him on my bench, man. Uh, Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, they say uh, when they said he was coming off an injury, I thought he would be a piece of it. I didn't think he would be that integral coming off injury and being that he didn't participate in no training camp, no preseason games. I'm like, oh, he might, you know, get in there here and there, but he, that man did some damage. Um, he, uh, he contributed, you know, like I said, they had 123 yards on the ground time of possession which is a key stat that I always look at. Um, 33 minutes for Washington, 31 minutes, well, 30, 39 minutes, I'm sorry. Hold on. Can't be more than hearing you. 34 minutes for Washington, 26 minutes for Jackson. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, penalties. Six for 63 for Washington, which we definitely got to clean up. Some of that, that pass interference on Fuller in the first half, I don't feel like that was pass interference. I feel like the dude was falling when Fuller turned around. But one of them, the first one, the one they called the back back on, the first one could have gone either way. Yeah. I felt like he kind of grabbed him. The second one, no way. Yeah, yeah the second one he was done. Um, Jacksonville had 13 for 89 yards. Um, total yards, 383 for Jacksonville, 389 for Washington. Uh, Trevor Lawrence went 24 for 42, 275, a touchdown and a pick, 70, uh, 75 quarterback rating. Wentz went 27 for 41, 313, four touchdowns, two interceptions with a 101 quarterback rating. Robinson, 11 carries, 66 yards, six yard average with a touch. Gibson, 14 carries, 58 yards, 4.1 yard average, no touches. Uh, Christian Kirk, 12 receptions, 117 yards, 19.5 yard average. No touchdowns. Uh, I already went over the wide receivers for us. Um, I definitely like the diversity. I definitely like the ball being spread around and not being predictable. Uh, I felt like on the screen interception, I feel like they had th thrown too many screens. I said they were sitting on that he was ready to make that pick when he saw the formation and saw the way that the drop back and how the linemen moved. But for the most part, for week one, with the Washington Commanders coming out, even it was a so-called lesser opponent, even though they invested in their team, got a new coach, uh, you know, put the money where their mouth is and have a better product than they had last year under a coach that should have never been in the NFL in the first place. Um, yeah, I, I like I like what I saw. I'm glad they came out with the W and uh, can't see what, can't wait to see what they do next week. Kurt, what was your final take and what are you looking forward to next week against Detroit? My final take is it must suck to be Brandon Sheriff <laughs> um, you know, he played great as he always does for 12 games a season. Um, my final take is last year at the beginning of the season, I had that feeling with Taylor Heineke that I haven't had since Robert Griffin, that feeling that you can win any game. 
that feeling that you can climb back into any game. And um, I tentatively have it because this is really the first time in a long time we've had a real NFL quarterback. Not a guy who's one-dimensional, not a guy who can't hit a fade, not a guy who cares about his stats, not a guy who gets hung up on a turnover. We have a guy who is an NFL quarterback. He makes NFL quarterback mistakes, but he also makes NFL quarterback throws. And if the defense can just stay creative, I think this team could really make some noise. I definitely agree that 425. I love the 425, and now they have the pieces that they can utilize in, in, uh, in the Buffalo nickel. And a lot of folks are complaining about the two linebackers. We saw Davis out there making plays today. Cole we all Holcomb. have three linebackers. That's a great call. Cole Holcomb out there, the tackling machine. I love that dude. He hasn't missed, he hasn't missed the game. That dude hasn't missed a snap. Nobody talks about that. that and he knows hard. where everything's going. He just takes a little longer to get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when he gets there, he gets there with a force. Yes. And um, I, Can I talk about one thing yeah, real quickly yeah, before ahead, we I was about to get your thing. Yes. Uh, well, I had a question. I mean, this was a like beginning of a new era, you know, had a new quarterback, a new team name, you know, debut of a lot of things. I mean, what are your guys thoughts on, you know, we've had questions about the rollout, obviously, but now we're like, we're in the brand where now have to be commanders fans. Some people still upset about that. I've had people coming into my Twitch chat that are like, I'll always be a Redskins fan. People have never seen the show before, just had searched Washington Commanders, found our show, and we're, we're chatting with us. But there's still, there's lots of them. And, um, oh, you know, right. I, I'm excited. We start with the win. I, I will root for this team no matter what they're obviously called. Uh, but uh, it's just, it's an interesting start to a, a new, it's a real new beginning for Washington in a lot of ways today. And I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Um and then I also wanted to get both of your guys' thoughts just real quickly on 9-11, just because it is that day, you know. Uh, you know, it was obviously, I remember going, you know, in 9-11-2011 uh, to the game after that and how powerful that was with the 10-year anniversary game. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on those two things real quickly, um, and, uh, and then we can get out of here. But, uh, but Carol, you can uh, talk about either one of them. Um with the team going forward with the rollout like you know i don't really kind of too concerned about the name once they start winning people going to either get on or not i understand the longtime redskins fans that only know the team as that i have it tattooed on me also but i don't have a problem calling the commanders uh it's the same franchise they were once the boston braves i don't hear people talking about oh i miss being called the braves so i mean franchises change names Looking forward, moving forward, optimistic. You can't do nothing about the past. The past is the past. Glad they started out with a victory. Hopefully starting out with two victories. And um, that's pretty much about that. And uh, so it was the second part, Robbie, I forgot. I was just talking about 9-11. Oh, 9-11. Um, you know, it is an anniversary. I figured we should at least address it. Only thing I really say about it is the one thing that I'm not even going to say the good that came out of it, but the one thing that resonated with me after was how people actually cared about their fellow man. There was a lot of hatred for a certain group of people, but I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on 
how we saw Americans actually living as Americans and not as, you know, black, white, Democrat, Republican. We were all one as a people. And unfortunately, it takes tragedies for that to happen. And, you know, we can't, unfortunately, we can't, we want to live like that. But unfortunately, with all the distraction and then and stuff that's going on in the world today, we can't live like that unless a tragedy happens. And that's what brings people together. But I hope you know, even, you know, remembering the tragedy that happened, that folks will remember that the aftermath of that and the love and camaraderie and looking out for our fellow man and making sure and checking on each other and making sure we was all right. And look how far away we've gotten from that in 2022 to 20, you know, 2001 after that happened. And, you know, that's, that's what, that's my last impression on it. I have other political stuff that I'm not going to get into, but that's, that's, fair. that's my, no. yeah. That's good. All right. We'll hurt the, the same sort of last two questions. How you think the rollout happened and, and, and your thoughts on that? And then we'll get out of here. You know, I'm always going to be a Redskins fan. Um, as long as the majority of Native Americans don't have a problem with the name, I'm never going to have a problem with the name. And uh, that's just the way it is. Um, I had no problem calling them the commanders, but even in the commanders asylum Facebook group, I slipped in a game day thread with the Redskins logo on it. I did on purpose. I did on purpose. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. I mean, and nobody said shit. I, I still, I still, you know, all over this room, you know, in every yeah. direction you can see, you know, it, it'll, it, they'll always be that. But, um, but I'm, I'm not going to ever be that. There's no name but the Redskins. Like, we're not going to oh, do I, that. Like, it's time to them all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, look, that's phase one of the rollout. Phase two is when they bring that team to Virginia and it's coming to Virginia. Two up, two down. Um, speaking of Virginia, 9-11 is always going to be a special day to me. I remember I was working at the old Jerry's Ford in Annandale, Virginia. It's now Malloy, which is crazy. But I remember working there, listening to the Russ Parr morning show because Russ Parr was local before he was nationally syndicated. Mm-hmm. Listening to the Russ Parr morning show, and I remember... Um, Olivia said, uh, a plane is flown into the, into the World Trade Center. And I just remember my friend saying, what kind of an idiot flies into a building? You got to be the worst pilot in the world. And then it was the second one, and the whole tune changed. Then it was a, a plane flew into the Pentagon. My entire family was at a funeral at Arlington Cemetery when that happened. So for all you, there was no plane bus. There was a plane. But... I just remember the seriousness that day. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know we were being invaded. We didn't know there was going to be a multi-pronged attack. I just remember how everybody stood up in that moment. Like, I spent the entire day driving around, picking up loved ones, and making sure they were getting home okay. Um, it, it, that's, that's just, I always rem- I'll always remember that. Getting on top of the building at Jerry's Ford and seeing smoke from the Pentagon. That's crazy. Yeah, my family knew people who died on that plane crash and and stuff like that. I was just a junior in high school, you know, at the school that I now have worked for for 13 years, which is kind of a crazy thought that it was the same wow. building. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was the first day of a brand new building for a brand new high school, and it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's 
Yeah, I will give my recount of what I was yeah. doing that morning, but it's not uh, appropriate for this show. <laughs> I'll uh, talk about it on at the bar radio, maybe. But uh, yeah, I can't. All right, all right. Well, that's a good plug. So tune in later for that for sure. <laughs> I had to give a teaser for the show. <laughs> right, there you go. I like it. I'm, I'm with it. Uh, All right. Well, we'll let you guys really quickly end the show. And then uh, on my end on the Twitch stream, we're going to be rating the Josh Turk, who's actually front page right now, which is really cool. A uh, good friend of mine. Uh, so we'll be rating that on uh, Twitch. But I know that Carol's going to end his feed here. I'm actually going to end our Facebook live feed. Um, uh, and then but you can give your uh, final take as well, Carol. Yeah, appreciate everybody checking us out. Sorry for the technical difficulties for my viewers on my pages. I don't know what the hell was going on. But uh, tune in tomorrow night, Sports on the Hill podcast. We'll be talking commanders more, breaking it down. Uh, after the coach did his post game, I haven't a chance to check it out, give my thoughts. Uh, I believe we'll have Dujanae also and DC's People's Champ. I'll do a quick recap of the Nationals uh, week that was. It wasn't, wasn't that bad. It wasn't that good. But uh, they're currently still playing the Phillies right now. I had a rain delay. I believe they're down uh, one nothing last I checked. Um, and uh, tune in at the bar radio starting live around six o'clock. We'll be talking a little bit of sports as always, politics, current events, entertainment news, and whatever else is uh, being talked about. And Big Hurt, appreciate you uh, coming on. Uh, start to the new season. Hopefully, we can do it again because you know Sundays I do three shows, and you know it gets taxing. I love to have people come on and help. I me understand. Uh, yeah, trust yeah, me. You, I understand. You already, yeah, you well, already, well, already got this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll definitely uh, try to make more of these. Hey, man, we'll be here. Oh, uh, give a quick week three. I will be at the game. So probably no post-game and a pre-game. Uh, I'm still trying to make it at the bar. Not sure. But look like I will be at the Eagles game. I'm going to try to go live. Might even try to, you know, hit the post-game live on there. Maybe do some streaking or something. I don't know. Try to get something to go viral. Who knows, man? Trying to get this thing off the <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll probably not do these produced ones. I'm lucky that my family is out of town, so I could do that. But I look forward to being on the show uh, tomorrow. Uh, Carol Dujanae, we may even have Champ joining us as well. Um, it'll be a fun time having a victory Monday. 28-yard uh, field goal attempt is good for Minnesota in their game with 354. There's some interesting games all around the NFL. What's, what's the score of that Minnesota game? Uh, Minnesota's now up uh, 10 to nothing over Green Bay. With, uh... I picked them for the upset on FanDuel. Come on, Kirk. <laughs> Come on, Kirk Cousins. Nice. And uh, Kansas City's up 20 to 7 over Arizona uh, with uh, three minutes left in the, in the half yeah, of that JJ, game. Yeah, JJ Watt is out. And I think an alert came through that looks like TJ Watt has a torn pet for the Steelers. Uh, didn't say if he was out for how long, but I just got that breaking news. Just came through a little while ago. Torn yeah. pet. That's going to be uh, eight, 10 weeks. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm sorry, at least six to eight. Six to eight. Yeah, for sure. sure. We, As we always try to keep you up to date on all the breaking news that's coming through, but appreciate y'all checking us out. Follow Robbie on his Twitch channel. He has some more things going hurt. Give a shout out to your channel and all the big things that you're doing before we get up out of here. Hey, everybody. Look, Life versus Lymphedema, we still rocking. Um, I've been taking a little bit of a break. You know, get my daughter situated for school, but new content will be up this week. Life versus lymphedema, YouTube, life versus lymph on TikTok. I gave in a guy TikTok, and all I do is cuss out all the yummy foods I can't eat. Yeah, that should do be funny. <laughs> I do be laughing. That's my therapy, man. Look, that's oh, what I did oh, the first. Ch 
Champ has some breaking news. Texans and Colts finish in a tie. So there was two games that could have ended in a tie. Uh, The Pittsburgh got a field goal with five seconds remaining in overtime to make it not a tie. So Pittsburgh won that game. And the other game did end up being in a tie. That's crazy that two games went that far into overtime. So yeah, how do you feel with Matt Ryan with that quarterback? And I am eliminated from the Hurts House survivor pool because I picked Cincinnati. Oh, that's early. Ooh. Sorry. That's it. Out of there. Damn. First Ooh. week. Oh, shit. <laughs> that was not, it was not good breaking news for Hurt on that one. Sorry, man. Yeah, I forgot to do the Survivor. I've never really been successful at the Survivor, Joy. Yeah, I suck at that. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my uh, second life. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, well, let me about to get up out of here. Gary, get set up for At The Bar Radio. Robbie Gray, do a switch thing. And Hurt probably about to go have some fun doing something crazy like he always does. I think there's some Red Dead Redemption, too, in my... Look, look, totally off subject. This is going to be just so far left. For those (laughs) of you who play Red Dead Redemption 2, did you know that in the story mode, if you have a fast travel at your base, if you set up your camp anywhere in the wilderness, you can then fast travel from that spot to any other level in the game. I just found it out yesterday and it changed my playing experience. That's all. Right. Hail to the Redskins. <laughs> That's cool that we didn't cover gaming on the show too. So hey, we, we're expanding our audiences, man. I gotta now I gotta put that in the tag headline. I don't know what the hell you was talking about. I don't know what video game it is, but I'm tagging gaming in the feed. Maybe we get some more views. Right? All right, that's what's up. <laughs> all right, man. Y'all be easy. We catch you next week. And uh, appreciate, as always, Sports on the Hill podcast, DC Sports Without the Politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. And we out.